0: Before I went away to law school, I I had my dream kind of scenario being lawyer by day and artist by night. And I think I'm just very much still trying to figure out like how to do both because I'm very adamant about keeping both in my life. And I understand like the ebb and flow of work where, you know, maybe sometimes it's the lawyer for X amount of years and then you go to art school or like vice versa. Or I'm really just passionate about doing all the same at the same time so still trying to figure out that balance but um, my background uh, prior to law school was in studio arts Um, I went to liberal arts college Um, art has been a part of my life since I picked up a crayon or just like anything creatively so uh, it's definitely interwoven into every aspect of of who I am and I think the law is kind of just like this new tool to be putting in my toolkit. And I really um, am trying to use it as a platform to, you know, bring artists up to speed. Because I realized in my arts education that so many artists are unequipped with even the knowledge around what our rights are. Like my entire education, I don't think a single professor mentioned the word copyright. And I'm just like, this doesn't feel right. Hi, everyone. It's
1: Stephanie. And that was artist and attorney Gina McLevine at a recent Second Saturday Art and Justice online gathering that was focused on the topic of contested cultural heritage. In the following excerpt, Gina gives her thoughts on various points raised during the gathering, starting with an article about various groups collaborating in The Hague to sort out what role the former Nazi defense line, known as the Atlantic Wall, can play in the city's spatial planning. She also points out how artists like sculptor and painter Janet Scudder have spoken out against male-dominated monuments in the public landscape, how pivotal the choice is of which artist is given voice to do which public monument, and she circles back to the importance of collaboration when dealing with all these issues.
0: Uh, My initial impressions of this article were just kind of the interdisciplinary of how how it brought together so many different people from different fields and how they're working together to try to find those solutions by by bringing in the whole of the entire story that this impacts. And I think that's genuinely in my heart and soul where I feel like so many solutions lie. Um, and just speaking to Trafalgar Square, I can I studied abroad in London for a little bit, and I remember, you're right, with the spaces, like you have all that old architecture, but I can also remember being in that city when there was like a protest or something, that was the place that it happened. So it was always that the contrast between... Um, the the old still like surrounding you and being that constant speech every day that you have to walk by. And then in those occasional moments where you know the voices of the people that are currently here like rise up. And that was something that tracked really similarly to living in DC, right? Where you're surrounded by this immense history every single day. And then sometimes people come into your city shouting different things and you have this old history around them. And then this current history happening right before you in front of your eyes and I think of the monuments in DC too where like the Washington Monument is a really good example right where like it's half colored um like a different color stone because during the civil war then they had to find a different stone and now that's like a testament to the dividedness of our country which is just in plain sight right there um but there's also a great I have read this book which I would really recommend. It's called The Voices of Women Artists. And it's a bunch of like old letters of women. Um, And there's this one, I forget her name, which is horrible of me, but she had taken a trip to DC and she was invited to this like, Really fancy kind of dinner al- among politicians. And um, they were going to commission her to create one of these um, statues, which was kind of unheard of for a woman in the time. Um, and she remembers walking around the city and just being like, oh, there's a statue of, of a man on a horse, a statue of a man on a horse, a statue of a man on, on a horse. And what they were commissioning her to do was another statue of a man on the horse. And she was like, you know what? I've had enough. Like, I'm done. I'm totally paraphrasing here, but it's just a really, really great. Great quote. Um, and so, in that context, I feel like how I view a lot of these discussions too is just what are we seeing? And a lot of times when I see, I'm like, well, where am I represented? You know, from the women kind of component, I know that there are other people from other backgrounds who ask that same question. Um, so I feel like in D.C. now you're you're getting some there's what the Hope Charity kind of commission, which was birthed out of um, World War II, I think. And then also you have uh, the memorial wall that was um, designed by Maya Lin and even just the context of that monument and um, being 21 years old and designing that is just a beautiful, amazing story story. and then for a more specific example that kind of like loops us back into the conversation we're having here it's um pertaining not to nazi art but um monuments that are being a testament to slavery and so there is one in um, Philadelphia of Harriet Tubman and recently there's been um, some commentary of like but why was it a white artist that created it, right? So like why, when we even have these opportunities where you're allowing these spaces to kind of be restorative and tell the story about some a woman, right, who saved so many people and has this heroic story. And then you kind of like so drop the ball. Or could it be like, wow, we've gone so far, like white people can also acknowledge this. But like to me personally, and how I feel about it would be like, you've taken, that opportunity from an artist of color to tell their story, you know? And like, I, I, yeah, that's just, I think the groundwork I wanted to lay in in my uh, comment there, but that is a really, it's a beautiful statue. I love it. But whenever I found out that it was a white artist, like, oh, like it just, it kind of taints it a little bit, you know? Reason the law also needs people who are trained in like the history as well as the arts, as well as like um, anthropology, just all those studies where you need to be coupling those things because like, let's be honest, judges don't have the capacity to know all that either. And sometimes they need lawyers and advocates to be showing them that. So I just think it's further proof and evidence that we we need to be doing both. So we're not these strange anomalies of art and law. Like it makes perfect sense.
1: If you'd like to join the conversation in an upcoming Second Saturday, please message me at stephanie at warfareofartandlaw.com.